Uh, Hisela, are you? Yes, if you are in Sunday school or nursery, you can head to the back right now and head down. <laughs> All right, got a good crowd today. Well, guys, it is a delight and a pleasure to welcome Sonia up here. Uh, I asked her to preach today because God had put something on her heart a while back, and I said, you need to preach this. And we were just waiting for the right time, and it turned out the right time was also uh, a great time to give me a break in Advent season. So Daryl preached last week, Sonia's preaching today, uh, and I've been blessed by that break. But also, just, you know, Sonia has, um, I think you've preached maybe two or three times here before, and in a couple of other places. And, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about Sonia is... Um, you know, she has this, the way she reads the scripture and approaches the scripture, um, I, I have to admit, there are things that she sees and, and how she kind of, I'm having a hard time putting this into words. Uh, it's special. It's, it's, I'm, I'm in awe sometimes. Uh, and I don't just say this because she's my wife, but it definitely helps that I'm saying it about my wife, right? <laughs> But it's a gift to our church, and uh, so I just thank you for sharing with us today. You know, you have been, um, through the years, someone, she's, she's helped me with so many of my sermons, and this week I got to help her with hers, so that was a delight. Um, but I'm just eager to hear what God is going to speak through you today. So, and now I'm going to turn you on. You're good to go. <coughs> have a little like tickle in my throat so forgive me beforehand because I'm going to be clearing my throat and probably I'm going to be coughing and all that <coughs> but we'll make do I do want to give a excuse me <coughs> I want to give a, a plug in to to Papa Tony who um, we, we, we had a conversation a few days ago maybe a week and a half ago um, that was very encouraging, very encouraging, and it helped me to see uh, even deeper into this mystery of the cross. So thank you, Papa Tony. And thank you to all of you who have been praying for me, because you know that I get nervous and anxious. And thank you for Stephen for bearing with me, even when you were not preaching, you had to deal with your wife's anxiety <laughs> and resistance. And to the girls for giving me more space this week to just focus and, and do this work. Thank you. Um, so by now you, you probably understand pretty well why we are um, talking about the cross in the middle of Christmas time in Advent. Uh, we heard um, how Mary, even in the, in the birth narrative, Mary is, is given this prophetic word, that a sword will pierce her heart. And we see there that great pain, great suffering is actually coming, right? Um, this is a, a topic that is, I'm, I'm very passionate about it. I think that is not, <clears throat> excuse me, not uh, shared enough in, in Christian circles, shared enough about. And it's, it's a hard topic that, Many of us, including me, would rather ignore. But Jesus has taken me in a journey now for really, really, he's been taking me in this journey since I was born, right? 
Um, but the last few years of my life have been, I have, I have increased in understanding, I begin to understand a little better the cross, right? This is, this is a lifelong journey, and, and the cross is such a, an amazing thing that there's so much to know and so much more to lean into. Today I hope to share from my heart. Um, my prayer is that, that God will minister to, to every single one of us in the room. And <clears throat> Holy Spirit, that, that you will help us to have those tender hearts that we need so that we can meet Jesus in the journey, in the walk to the cross. Okay. So let me share with you a story when I was like about four years old. Uh, I don't know, like, I don't know if it was done in the States, but in Puerto Rico, where I grew up, um, during Holy Week, which was the week preceding uh, Easter Sunday, <clears throat> there were, um, I think it was on, <clears throat> excuse me, on Good Friday, they would not have any regular TV, and we didn't have cable. Um, so all you could watch <clears throat> on, on, sorry, <clears throat> on Good Friday was these movies of the Passion of Christ. So you, they had a captive audience. So I, I, I actually loved these movies. I looked forward to the movies. And we had just seen one of those, very powerful. And I, I now think it was the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit talking to that little four-year-old. And I go to my, to my grandmother's heart. In, Catholic, in good Catholic homes, there's usually a crucifix which is not, a cross, not just a cross of Jesus, not, not just a cross like we have here, but a cross with the Jesus on it. And I go to my grandmother's bedroom, and I start dancing before the cross and worshiping Christ. I had never seen that done. And I, I, I just felt, felt I, I knew, I knew that something amazing had happened at the cross. It, like in, in, my, in my simplicity, uh, in, the child, in my childlikeness, I knew that this was a powerful, powerful thing. But look how the enemy works. My brother was watching, and he followed me to the bedroom, and then he started mocking me. What are you doing? What are you doing? And then he went to my, my parents and to everybody in the living room and told them that I was doing this, and I felt such shame. I felt like, oh, I, I've, like I've done something ridiculous. Why am I doing this? And that seed was planted. It was there, right? But, but something was impacted there in my soul. However, we know that God has a way, right? And God is in the story. After many, many years of walking away from God, after living in deep brokenness, um, at some points, believing that I was going to lose my sanity, living in deep depression, etc., etc., etc. At the age of 20, 23, I came to Christ. And um, the Lord filled my life with joy. A lot of the depression lifted. Um, I suddenly was filled with purpose and with hope. And that followed years of a lot of growth and a lot of learning and being very solidly planted, very in love with Jesus Christ. Um, some years later, I, I think, you know, difficulties of life, 
being overwhelmed by doing um, instead of being in being in Jesus, I I lost much of the joy that I have found in Christ before that. And <clears throat> I believe now that I was actually, uh, even though like we were serving, we were serving here for most of that time, um, even though. Yeah, I was doing it for the Lord, and I did want to please Lord. I, I believe that a lot of the, that we were doing in our own strength, and I certainly was doing it in my own strength. And uh, I think this was like 2016. I had this dream, and in this dream, I was climbing a mountain, a quite respectable mountain, mind you, and I had all my gear. Like, I don't have this gear for real, but in the dream, I had all my gear. I had a big backpack my hiking boots, you know, I, I meant business, and I'm like, you know, going down there, and, and you know, and I, and I think, like, I, I can do this mountain, I've got this mountain, and then I'm like, I'm like, like this, and this is the image I have in my head, I'm in the trail like this, and I hear a voice, a big voice over there, it says, Sonia, you're climbing the wrong mountain. <laughs> It's like, uh-oh. And I look back, and it's, it's God talking to me, obviously. And I look, uh, I follow the voice to where it's coming from. And it's this huge, the tallest of all the mountains, majestic, beautiful, imposing, scary mountain. And I'm thinking, whoa, what do I do now? If I'm already on this trail, how am I going to get to that trail um, and for, for the years I followed, I, that, that dream bothered me. It's like, okay, so if I'm in the wrong mountain, how the heck am I going to get to the right mountain? If I'm not doing the things the way you're calling me to do or not doing them how you're calling me to do it, then how do I learn how to do this thing? Well, as God would have it, in 2018, we went on sabbatical, and that, the space that that created uh, for, for our family was just um, important, I think, life-changing, definitely for me. Um, God put us on a different path, and it, it, it was a time where we, um, in a sense, became reacquainted with who we were, um, started asking questions that we hadn't asked before. We were, we were burnt out at that point, and that's exactly where Jesus wanted us to be. Burn out on yourself, please, so that then you can go on my fuel. And in that year, after we had come from our sabbatical, we were in an Advent concert. And <clears throat> I had, it's, it's the Behold the Lamb concert of uh, Andrew Peterson. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's just beautiful. And they're singing this beautiful uh, songs alluding to the birth of Christ, and I had asked uh, Jesus that Christmas that I, would you give me a gift this Christmas? I, I want a gift from you. And as, as we're singing, suddenly this image came to mind, very powerful. I didn't see it with my eyes, but it was like in my mind's eye. And I am in, in a pretty desolate place, and I know it's a, it's a mountain of sorts. And there's nobody else there but Jesus. And Jesus is uh, smiling, and he says, 
Sonia, I want to invite you. I want to give you something better. I want to give you the cross. <laughs> and when I heard that, it felt like, well, am I on the naughty list? Like you're giving me the cross? Like that's painful. There was a mix of emotions because on the other hand, it kind of felt like I knew this is a promotion. This is going to be good, but scary and painful. Do I have it in me? Well, the answer is no. Of course I don't have it in me. But Jesus did, right? And I said a reluctant yes. I said, well, if that's better, then I've told you that I always want what you want. And if that's better, then, then okay, let's do it. You're going to have to show me how, how you enter the cross. And... He had, he had already been shattering walls. I felt like I was in a remodeling process, knocking walls down uh, every week. It felt like, oh, now you're showing me that. Well, that's beautiful. Um, but there was still a, a degree, a great degree, I would say, of resistance in me because I just didn't want the pain. Like, in my, my mind, I have, I have gone through enough. I have been in depression enough. Things have happened to me. Like, I, I, I don't know that I want more pain. But God, God knew that what he was giving me was actually a gift. And I'm going to take, take us now to, the, to our text. And uh, it has been read now, I think, twice. But uh, I'm going to read it again. And this is from John uh, chapter 12, verses 20 to 20, 27. Now there were some Greeks among those who went to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Right. So what we're seeing, what we're seeing happening in, in this um, passage is what follows the entry of, of Jesus into Jerusalem for the last time before, uh, during the time of the Passover. And he had been uh, hailed. People had gone to meet him. The crowds had gone to meet him. And shouts of Hosanna. And uh, at that point, the Pharisees were already plotting to kill him. A week from there, well, yeah, a week from there, he would be dead. 
So it was an intense week when a lot, a lot, a lot was happening in the history of the world, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this down uh, verse by verse. So here in in verse 23, when he says that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus is about to tell us, to give us this beautiful picture. Like this passage is it's a hard one in a way, but, but it's beautiful. It's, a, it's, it's this image of, 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 of death and, and life right there all in one. And now Jesus, who has been saying all along, my time hasn't come. It's not my time yet. Now he is about to be glorified, glorified as he enters the deepest pain of his human life. Verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. And of course, we know, perhaps we're, we're better acquainted in, in the Christian um, world that what we hear a lot is the message of how Jesus took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of, all of the pain, all of the illness, all of that, and he died on the cross for it, took it all unto himself, and now the death has lost its sting. We don't need to fear death anymore, and we have hope. And we don't need to live in a slavery to any of those things, right? Now, there is also here an invitation to all of us, right? Jesus did this, and then we are invited to it as well. So he's saying, come die with me. In, in that image that I was seeing during that Advent concert, Jesus was saying, come, um, come die with me. And if we avoid, we can, we can receive in a sense, yes, Jesus did this for me. But when we join him there, that is where you know that death has been defeated. That is when it becomes something that is like, it's like just deep in you. And then you can begin to live out of that. Not, some, not as something that somebody told you that you hear sermons about and sing songs about, but now it's just, just deep in knowledge in you. And then that, that section there that, uh, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Well, of course, Jesus' death brought us all into the fold, Right? Many, 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 many seeds. A huge harvest. Huge harvest that we don't know yet the end of it, right? We are part of that harvest. And, again, the invitation is, well, can you trust me that if you die with me, if you join me in the cross, then you also will bear much fruit. That great harvest is going to come from that as well. 
because we are to follow his said, and the, the promise, the promise of multiplication and fruit and joy and freedom and you bringing other people's people to Christ is for every single one of us, right? Okay. Let's look at verse 25. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in the world will keep it for eternal life. And of course, when you read something like that, like Jesus is using very strong language, very strong words, right? To hate your life. And, you know, sometimes that has been like, what do you mean exactly by hating your life? Well, it cannot mean, right, that he wants you to live in misery. It cannot mean that because we also know that Jesus is saying that he wants abundant, that he came to give you, he died to give you abundant life. So I cannot mean that he wants you to be miserable and lacking in joy and just kind of piling suffering and taking all the suffering like, yes, Jesus, bring it on. No, it's not like that, right? As, and as somebody who grew up uh, in a Catholic home, uh, Puerto Rican style, uh, the, that was kind of like the, the ethos is that, yes, yes, you take all the suffering because that, you know, that then you are, you are, it's kind of like the brownie points. More suffering, more brownie points, you'll make it to heaven, hopefully. I say that carefully because I know that that's not the, the, the story of all Catholics, but it was, it was mine. Um, so then, what does it mean to hate your life in this world? Well, it would mean then that if you are just grabbing tightly, to whatever version of your life you're in right now, wherever you happen to find yourself in, then you're going to forfeit the better life that Jesus Christ is offering you, right? If you surrender, the promise is life abundantly. If you hold on tight, well, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the life that Jesus Christ died to give you. So we are invited to a trade, right? <laughs> you are invited to trade whatever it is that you're living that might actually seem pretty good right now. You know, for some of you, it might be like, yeah, I'm good. But is there something better? For some of you, you really don't like the current version of your life. You're in deep pain and you would like something better you don't know a way forward. Or maybe your life seems very lackluster. Like, nah. Oh, okay. But Jesus is offering abundant life. <clears throat> so let me, let me share a little bit about how the journey has been since I received that invitation and I said my reluctant yes. And just so you know, their reluctant yes was like, you know, I would say yes and kind of take it back and say yes again. And it was, it was, it's, been, it's been like that. I'm learning to say yes more easily and, more, and faster, but it's still kind of like that. Um, I was in great fear that facing the cross would mean unbearable pain because I knew at that point, that part of what, for me, my personal story, it meant was going backwards before I could go forward. 
was going to, to how my life had been, the, the things that, the trauma that I have had, things that had happened to me that I kind of thought that were processed, but not really, not with, not with Christ. Um, it meant facing my, my, the brokenness that I still had in, in my life, in my heart, and to learn to live differently, and to live with power. And I don't quite understand this, but in a sense, I was afraid of living with power. I was afraid of what it would mean to have power in Christ. Um, and I entered it. I entered the process. And this is something that it's hard sometimes to conceive. Well, how, how does it, how does one go in the, in the way of the cross with Jesus? How does one do that? And this is some of how I did it. And I'm sure that, that you um, have other experiences as well. For me, um, well, I did this with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> did it with the Holy Spirit because he's the trail master, right? So if I had found myself in this mountain over here that it was, you know, good mountain. He was, and he was telling me, but this is the wrong one. I want you in this one over here that is majestic and awesome, but a much harder climb, a much harder climb, intimidating climb, climb than if I want to get from where I was to there and then to ascend that mountain, I was going to have to do it with the Holy Spirit, with, it, with somebody who knew the terrain, right? So when Jesus met me that day and invited me that day to to go to, that he was giving me the gift of the cross. He was saying, and I'm going to show you the way. You're not going to do this on your own. Come on, let's walk together. I'm going to show you how we do this. Because I've been to the cross already. Church, Jesus has been to the cross already. He knows the way. He knows how to help you lean into him. He knows where the pitfalls are. Like if there is a precipice, He's going to guard you from the precipice, I promise you. If there is a spring of water and you're thirsty, he's going to take you like a good little sheep to where the water is so you can drink and be refreshed. Because this process of taking the cross is not only pain and suffering and blah, no. It isn't like that. And that was what I was fearing. But it truly isn't like that. There's a whole lot of joy, deeper joy than I have ever known before. Much deeper joy than I've never known before. You do this with others. Don't do this alone. Don't attempt the way of the cross alone. That's why we need each other, right? And we need each other more than on Sundays. We need in, in other, each other as a family. We need to, in a sense, get into each other's business in a good way. We need to be holding each other up because what the thing that we're called to do, if we do it the way Jesus is calling us to do it, the thing that we're called to do is actually difficult. And we only do it if we are doing it together in the power of Christ. And when my strength is failing, when my faith is weak, when I'm having a hard time believing that he is going to take me through one more hard memory that I don't want to remember so that he can heal it, then I need to lean with the, with the faith and the, and the strength of a believer that says, 
You can do this. I've seen you do this before. You're going to do this again. And I, I'm very grateful for those who have, who, who have walked with me. <clears throat> my, my, my therapist, um, Matt Daniels, who some of you know, who, who started me actually in the journey. Uh, my family and so many of you, their prayers, all of it matters. So you do this with the Holy Spirit. You do it with others. Um, you do this with time and patience and perseverance. Take that in. So this process of going to the cross, if you choose to accept the mission, is for the rest of your life. So take the long view. Take the long view. Be patient. Be patient with yourself when, when you think that, man, I should should have gotten this down now, by now, but you, but you don't have it yet. And when you um, seem to still be stuck in, in sinful habits and all that, be patient. Be patient with those around you. Because a lot of times when one takes a, a step further into the cross, there is a, like a recalibration that needs to happen. You might feel a little unbalanced for a while. Like, um, the ter- you're, you're in new terrain, and you feel a little disoriented. Like, where, where is the way? That might mean that you might get a little crabby. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Stephen is laughing. That might mean that you cry a lot for a while. Maybe... For me, um, it meant remembering a lot of things and beginning to feel the pain that I have not allowed myself to feel. Cry the tears that I hadn't given myself to cry for decades. And now Jesus was saying, I'm with you in this. I'm with you in this. Go ahead and and cry. Go ahead and, and give yourself permission to feel. And go ahead and honor the real pain that you're feeling because these things did happen to you and it is okay to feel the pain. I'm with you. And you do this getting honest. Okay? And I I think that's probably one of the things that we avoid. Uh, Like, I'll speak for myself. Um, Getting honest with yourself this is where I really am. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually still pretty broken. Yeah, I still struggle with anxiety. Maybe begin to see for the first time that you struggle with anxiety. Um, yeah, I, I do this thing that is hurtful to, to my family. I do this thing that I don't show up in certain ways that Jesus is calling me to show up. And yeah, when the uglies come, the uglies that we want to just, just put in a big uh, box and stuff it in the back of the closet and then put everything else pretty on top, right? It hurts. It's, it's hard to see it. I would say that before I entered that journey with Christ, I thought I was pretty honest with myself. And now I see how untrue that is But having met Jesus there and being walking with him, 
I have begun to have deeper honesty than I've ever had before. Not just with myself, but I also, and, and this, this happens, and this is necessary in the body of Christ. I've also begun to be more honest with the people around me. Not, not um, unlovingly, not as an excuse to be cruel, but honest. Showing up as I really am. If I am sad, I can say that I am. If I'm angry, I can say that I'm angry. If there's something that I need to share with a brother or sister of some way that I'm feeling hurt or something I've seen, I can say it. So what does it look like when you're walking in the path of the cross? Well, it looks like becoming more compassionate. You could get more compassionate with yourself, and you'll get more compassionate with the people around you, and not just those that you love, which, Lord, help us to be compassionate with our families and friends, but also with the world around you. So I, and I would say that if you find yourself not caring too much about those who are perishing without Christ around you, your neighbors, your co-workers, even family members, if you don't find yourself um, crying out for the deep brokenness in the world, the darkness in the world, compassionate needs, compassion needs an adjustment in your heart. And we are called with Christ to be able to see beyond our own pain, beyond our own story, so that we can see others and their story, their deep need of Jesus Christ. So compassion is the thing that Jesus uses to, to, to move you, to mobilize you. Um, you'll probably grow in insight, vibrancy, and joy. You also, on the other side, will probably be more awake to sorrow. You might actually get angrier. But hopefully then, all these feelings are better aligned with the heart of God. That you feel sorrow for those things that deserve the sorrow. There is, there's a lot to be sorrowful about in the world. Can we, can we join Christ in his sorrow? Because he is sorrowful for the world. He carries them and he, he carried them and keeps on carrying them. I was more aware of the, my own brokenness and the darkness. Um, you become, probably in a word, more mature in Christ. And I wanted the power of the resurrection I wanted that power so badly. I, I, I would say, Lord, why is, it that, why is it not happening for me? Like, why is it that I'm still feeling kind of blah? I, I don't like to feel like this. And I kept looking for the power. But the thing is that I was avoiding the cross. The resurrection and, and the anointing in the Spirit follows the cross. So for me to really enter into the, into the 
into the, the taking in of the power of resurrection, to own it. It's been given, by the way. You have it. All of you, you have the power of the res- resurrection in you. All of you have the Holy Spirit, right? But for me to be able to move in it, to hear his, his guidance, I have to go to the cross first. And to stay there. It's not like you graduate the cross, right? To stay there. And that has looked also like growing in gentleness and boldness. Both things. I can be more gentle and when I would have reacted in times with a... Um, but also, yeah, those Puerto Rican ladies know what, what I mean. <laughs> um, but also, I can be bolder. And when something needs to be said that I probably wouldn't have said before, now I say it. And by the way, the process is imperfect. <laughs> Sometimes um, I need to be bolder and I'm uh, too shy. Sometimes I need to be gentler and I'm not. Um, but there we go, in the way of the cross. And in the cross, you meet truth. Truth. You begin or continue with more depth now to understand the truth of God in a way that had not been open to you before. You, you, will, you will suddenly get it. I've had so many aha moments since then. Like, ah, that's how that works. That's how you do that. But I needed to be in the cross first. Let's look, let's look at verse 26. Um, Whoever serves me must follow me, and, I, and where I am, my servant also will be. So if we are to be believers, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, then it will show because we're following, right? And if we're following, then we're following not take, trying to kind of take a, like, a, like a, there's a cross, I'm going to hear over to the resurrection. No, you, you then, you follow to the cross, and then with Jesus, you go to the cross and to the resurrection and to the, to the coming Holy Spirit, right? Say this again. When we as Christians try to avoid living in the way of the cross, it leads to lackluster lives. It leads to bitterness it leads to the loss of a joy in Christ. And I know that many of us, many of you, are actually experiencing deep, deep pain right now. And that is like, well, I, that feels like the cross. That's a lot of pain. This is a lot of suffering. Well, yes. But here's the thing. There's a way to, to, to feel your pain, to be in the pain, and it feels kind of purposeless. And there is a way to be in your pain with Christ 
and it become purposeful. Right? Now, you know that beauty will come out of it. This beautiful image of beauty, beauty uh, from ashes. I, I don't know if you know, but um, when volcanoes erupt and there's all that lava and all that death that happens, right? Destruction, obliteration of a landscape. Um, the, the life that comes out of it, it springs in, in, a, in very quickly springs out of that volcanic soil. Volcanic soil that is rich in ashes is very fertile. So the promise of, of Jesus Christ to you is that out of everything in your life that feels like ashes, that is ashes, things that you already had to let go of, things that did die, dreams that, that are gone, some of them are gone, but now out of that, something better, something better, beauty will come out of that. And you may not see it yet. It may be hard to, to, to see, well, out of how can this hard, hard thing, how can this ever be redeemed? Well, Jesus Christ, that's how he will redeem it. So in the following Jesus, we are to live a life that looks like the cross. Some people call it the cruciform life. You are to take up his cross and follow. It's a passage, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read it, but it's in Matthew, where, where Jesus is inviting us, it's a well-known passage, to take up the cross and follow him. That would mean sacrifice. It will. And I know, um, so grateful to you. I, I see you. The Lord sees you. I see you sacrificing things. I see you giving up time for the love of others, to serve another, to give, to give generously in many different ways. It means that sometimes you will take the punches so that somebody else won't take them. It will mean that sometimes you will sleep less for something that needs to get done. It means that you can give generously of whatever you have, and not just generously, but sacrificially. It will have a little bit of sting to it sometimes. But we do all of this for the joy set before us, right? This beautiful passage in Hebrews 12 where um, it says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame. So for us, it's the same. In everything that we sacrifice, every time that we take a punch that that we are maybe blocking somebody else's punch. And I mean, maybe literal, maybe metaphorical, right? Um, every time you can set the joy before you. What is the joy? Why are we doing this? What is the joy set before us? Well, that we will see life abundant. Yes, in us. Yes, in our family and friends. That we will see coming to Christ those that haven't known Christ before. That your neighbor will come to Christ. That is joy. 
freedom, seeing freedom for the captive, seeing people become uh, their true selves in Jesus Christ, that the masks will come off, that joy will abound. So you are receiving here, we are receiving here, a call to obey. Can we, can we do this thing that he's not suggesting that we do, but he's telling us clearly, this is it. If you're my, if you're my, my, my follower, then follow me. Follow me here too. Listen for instruction. Um, I would usually, I would through my walk with Christ before then, I would hear the Holy Spirit. Occasionally, I had these moments in which something would just kind of download or somebody would give me a word. I would obviously hear it through the scriptures. Um, but I didn't live that, you know how the, the Holy Spirit is called the counselor, right? And I knew that was true, but why is he not counseling me all the time through all these things that I need counseling about. And the deficiency was not in, in, in Christ or the Holy Spirit. The deficiency was in me. So I began to sit, sit a little chair, often with my hot cocoa, and just ask God, so what do you want to tell me today? What do you want me to know today? And Something will come to mind. Some, most, most often it will sound exactly like your voice in your head, but better, wiser. And, and then he will say something. Well, something will come to mind. Often it was just really encouraging. And then from there, I would ask another question, and lo and behold, he'll answer that question. And then we're having conversations but I didn't know that because I wasn't showing up even in the expectancy that, that, that he actually wants to meet with me, that he is available, that the, his counseling hours are not on Wednesdays at 3 when I meet with my counselor, but his, his counseling hours are, are always. In Acts 1, uh, we are... We have that passage where, actually, let me just go there. Did I mark it? I didn't mark it for myself. Okay. Do not leave Jerusalem. This is in verse 4. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has said by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In John 14, 12 through 14, Han, can you pull that one up? Is it, do you have it? Oh, <laughs> there you go. Okay, there we go there. All right. says this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. This is a power that resides in every single one of us. This is the one that longs to meet with you every day, and not just a predetermined hour to meet you every second of that day. This is the one that will guide you, that will help you make good decisions, that will give you discernment, that will give you the courage to love well, will give you the, the courage to bite your tongue when you need to and to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said, that will help you to be gentle, that will give you dreams that you have never dreamed before, that will give you hope, to hope on the things that you have given up on. He will direct your dreams. He will align your, your heart with his heart so that now your dreams look like his dreams. And so that now you, you can see people through the eyes of God. You can see what's hurting you can see why they're showing up, how they're showing up. You can see what need you might be able to, to minister into. He's the one that gives you the courage to face whatever it is that you are facing right now that is very difficult. And the wisdom and the solutions. I'm going to... Read this last passage. This is for, from Isaiah 61. This is one of my very favorite passages in the scripture. It's one that I, that I hold on to. That one that I pray for, for this congregation. That we will be like this. Um, let me read this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Hear that. The ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. We, in, the, in, in Jesus' stead, that's what we can do. And I'm going to jump down to verse 7. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. Receive that fellowship. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land. And everlasting joy will be theirs. So I was worshiping here this morning. I heard the Holy Spirit say, the revival that you have been praying for is here. He told me, don't keep asking me to bring it. Now ask me how to steward it. Because it is here. And I see it. And I see it in you. I see it in some of you who, who have come back after being gone. I see it even in your struggles and how you're going through those struggles. Different than maybe you would have gone through those struggles before. I see it in, in hearts growing more tender. And I see it in a, in a deeper thirst and joy. I see deeper joy. I see deeper sorrow, but I see also deeper joy. This walk in the way of the cross with Jesus, yeah, you will. You're going you're gonna to see pain, feel pain. Now, the truth is that you're going to see pain and feel pain no matter what, right? So you might as well do it with Jesus. You might as well do it his way. It's always a better way, right? We're just a little knuckleheaded, and we have a hard time believing that, and we just kind of want to do it our way. But there are so many treasures strewn along that path, so many discoveries. If you don't enter the path, then, well, they'll be, they'll be like nothing to you, right? So to to be acquainted, to be acquainted with Jesus, really, you need to go to the cross. So I want to um, guide us in a, in a little meditation. And uh, maybe for some of you, this is a little uncomfortable. I don't know, because I'm going to invite you to use your imagination. Um, so if this is your thing, great. Um, awesome. You're ready. 
<laughs> if it's not your thing, well, I invite you to experiment with me. Let's see what happens. So try to tell that part of you that's saying, hmm, I don't know about that. Um, to say, okay, it's fine, but we can, we can try it this one time, okay, and see what happens. Um, would it be possible, actually, to get the team up here and play a little something? Some soft? All right. So I invite you to take a deep breath, to loosen up. Maybe close your eyes. That might help you to separate from the environment. To join me. You are in Calvary, where Jesus was crucified. Use your imagination. Put yourself there. Put yourself on that mount. It's a lonely place, barren, but Jesus is there. He is glorious, but his glory doesn't make you draw back. It draws you in. He is smiling at you. His smile is warm and compassionate, reassuring. You can't stop looking at it. He says your name. And then he tells you, I'm inviting you into something better. I'm inviting you to the cross. Maybe you're well acquainted with the cross. But he's inviting you to go deeper with him. He holds his hand out to you, beckoning you to follow. As you look at his hands, you see his scars. And you know the story well. You know that he died in the cross. You know about his suffering and his sorrow. He knows how he took all of it in. He took your shame. You know then that for you, there will also be dying ahead. And you're invited to purposefully, to purposefully enter your pain. Face your sin, your shame, your sorrow, your trauma. The lies that you tell yourself, the lies that you've been told about yourself. You consider it for a moment. So notice, notice your body. Is your body tightening up? Notice what you're feeling, what you're thinking about. Is there fear? Is there joy? Is there expectation that God is going to do a new thing in you? You remember the resurrection, the joy of Easter the promised power of the Holy Spirit. You remember those that you love, the ones that will come after you. You remember, perhaps, the goodness that you've already tasted in Jesus' company. If you haven't tasted it yet, you wonder what it would feel like to be in His company. 
you realize that this journey he's calling you into is not only for your sake. You are part of the great adventure. So what do you say? What do you say to Jesus? You say, Jesus, I'm ready. You see, say to Jesus, I'm scared, but I want to. You say, man, I don't really want to, but I know it's good for me. Will you please help me? Do you have any questions for him? If you have any questions, just ask him right now and, and listen. for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that before you came to earth as a babe, you already had the cross plant. Thank you for this invitation into glory that you have given us thank you that you honor those scripture said that you will honor them who die thank you Lord that we are honored in you thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in us help us to not fear the power to store the power well to be careful with it Lord take our own belief Lord help us to believe Lord for for Fellowship Bible Church this morning. Lord. Pray for an increase. I declare an increase of faith. That in all of those things that are terribly difficult and painful and scary right now, you will provide. And there will be fruit and it will be plentiful. Thank you that the dying is not in vain. The dying is necessary for abundant life. Help Fellowship Bible Church to be a courageous church, unshakable. Open our mouths boldly, Lord, to declare your goodness to the world that is dying without you. Help us to know that when scorn, shame, ridicule come, when we share the word of Christ, when we share the good news, that you took the punches for us. 
Father, I pray for a church that is a light. It's a light in Dedham and beyond Dedham. That there will be from here many little lights across the land. Homes. These lights are homes. That are like little churches where we feel the spirit of, of the Holy Spirit, where we connect well with one another, where we love well, where we protect, where we say the truth, where we guide well, where our, our children receive guidance. Father, fortify, strengthen the marriages, Lord. Turn the hearts of the husbands to the wives, to the, hu the wives to the husbands, the children to their parents, their parents to their children, Lord. That there will be dreams dreamt, Lord. That the gifts of the Spirit will be in full use here. Fully represented, powerfully represented. Those who have already, you have already given a gift, I pray that they will name it, own it, practice it, grow in it, train in it, share it. And Lord, I pray that the fruit of the Spirit will abound here. Fruit of the Spirit. That when people cross the threshold, not just of this space that we're in, but in our space, wherever we happen to be, at home or whether you're in your office, wherever it is, that they will see Christ, they will see the fruit of the Spirit, the whole of it, that your love in us will draw them in to you. So Lord, I pray that we will be a church that will walk fully, abundantly, in word, spirit, and truth. They'll be felt, the power of the Spirit among us, and great love among us. I pray all these things in faith and trusting that this is what we're going to see. And I thank you for what we're already seeing, what we're already enjoying, Lord. Help us to steward it well. And Lord, your church prays more, 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 more. Amen.